The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go. Sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of a God who accompanies us in love. Amen. Robert and I were just talking before the service um, about the music and the readings and how integrated they are and how intentional that is. Um, and it, I, I talked to him about it because it struck me um, that the music today that we are singing, they are love ballads to God. Um, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Uh, and we came in singing about how we adore God. And that love, that relationality is so clear in the music. And it's in the readings too. Um, and, and you may ask, where is it in the readings today? <laughs> uh, Today's readings were about intimacy with God. Well, we just read about Job bitterly complaining that he is unable to perceive God's presence. The psalm had us calling ourselves worthless worms, despised by all people. The epistle said that the word of God will divide us and pull us soul from spirit and joint from marrow. And the gospel tells us that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for anyone with wealth to get to heaven. Where in all this mess is the romance? Let's look at these readings more closely. 
In the Job reading, Job is searching for God, aching to be in God's presence. If only he could find God, he would spill all of his agony at God's feet, and then he would be at least a little bit relieved. Job is lamenting because he does not know how to find God, and he needs his beloved God in his agony. Psalm 22 is both a lament and a love ballad as well. God, I have been entrusted into your care since I was in the womb. I am poured out like water. My heart within my breast is melting wax. What beautiful love poetry, really. And then there are the parts of the psalm that sound more like Job's laments. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I cry, but you do not answer. I am a worm, scorned, despised. You have laid me in the dust of the grave. There is great value in these laments. They are like a dictionary of our human emotion. And they give us permission to bring the breadth and the depth of our pain into our relationship with God. Ideally, we bring all that we are into our closest human relationships So why would we hold back when it comes to God? In the epistle, the one that we are told that we will be torn apart by the word of God. The writer is trying to tell us that the word of God is so powerful that it changes us utterly. Doesn't human love and passion do that too? Pull us apart as it transforms us? So how much more might Jesus' divine love for us totally upend our world once we surrender to it? The reading also says that Jesus is not some distant divine entity. Rather, he knows us deeply because he became flesh that he might love us with great familiarity. Lastly, the gospel. A story of a rich young man who flings himself at Jesus' feet, eager to hear Jesus affirm him and say, Yes, young man, you have followed all the rules and led a righteous life. You will have eternal life. But Jesus sees his ignorance, his self-interest, his desperation. And Jesus sees him. He sees this individual at his feet, and the gospel tells us he loved him. In loving him, Jesus called him to a higher way of being. Sell your things, give the money to the poor, follow me, let me love you by being in my company. Let go of all the things that hold you back from full relationship with me. But the rich man couldn't do it. He was too attached to his things to see the gift he was being offered. So he walked away grieving. How often have we found ourselves in human love, walking away confused, hurt, grieving? Once the young man left, Jesus turned to his disciples and told them that it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. 
They thought he was saying that the man was the camel. But what if the man was a thread wrapped too tightly around the leg of a camel named Wealth? They thought Jesus was saying, no, I won't let you have eternal life. But what if Jesus was really saying, yes, you will have eternal life and you will have it abundantly. If you but cut yourself off from all that is holding you back. I love you too much to let you put all your stock in earthly things that will ultimately let you down. Come and walk with me and let me love you. And let, you, and let me help you live to your fullest potential. You cannot do it alone. But anything is possible with God. Yes, I love you. Yes, you can be with me always. Perhaps God is saying yes to us more often than we perceive. Someone recently shared with me a poem about God saying yes. It's by Kaylin Haunt, and it goes like this. I asked God if it was okay to be melodramatic, and she said yes. I asked her if it was okay to be short, and she said, it sure is. I asked her if I could wear nail polish or not wear nail polish, and she said, honey, she called me that sometimes, she said, you can do just exactly what you want to. Thanks, God, I said. And is it even okay if I don't paragraph my letters? Sweet cakes, God said. Who knows where she picked that up. What I'm telling you is yes, yes, yes. As we looked at those readings and listened to that music, could you imagine God saying to you, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I love you, and I want to hear your complaints when you cannot perceive my love for you. Yes, your anger and sorrow are important to me, and I want to hold you close when you are lamenting. Yes, I am a God who gets you, inside and out, and I love you so much that I walked in your shoes and did all I could to know you intimately. Yes, you can follow me but it'll be easier if you leave your clutter behind. Yes, yes, yes. Let me tell you about a man, a friend of mine, who showed me how to hear God's yes and to respond in kind. Bill was a 90-something-year-old priest who became my mentor during the last decade of his life. He loved Jesus passionately. And he said that he found great joy and romance in seeing himself as Jesus' lover. His passion shocked me at first. But then I saw that in his age and wisdom and in his deep, unbridled relationship with Christ, Bill had shed himself of the inhibitions and properness we tend to bring into our relationship with God. Bill had freed himself from all those human bindings, and he became free to truly enjoy his love affair with God, to hear God's affirmations of him, and to respond with his own passionate, 
Yes, God, I am yours. How can we see ourselves in a love affair with God? How can we see Jesus as the love of our life who is calling us into our greatest way of being by being with him? Someone once suggested to me that we can read love poems and imagine that they are messages from God. So, using the words of E.E. Cummings, I invite you to hear another poem, a love poem, as words to you from Jesus. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear, and whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful you are my world, my true. And it's you are whatever a moon has always meant and whatever a sun will always sing is you. Here is the deepest secret nobody knows. Here is the root of the root and the bud of the bud and the sky of the sky of a tree called life, which grows higher than soul can hope or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that keeps the stars apart. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. Perhaps the miracle of the incarnation is this. Jesus is mighty enough in his divinity to be utterly in love with each and every one of us. To carry all of our hearts in his heart. And he is human enough to know us intimately. Whether we are navigating daily life or praying or discerning our stewardship pledge or approaching the altar for communion, or lamenting, or loving, or weeping. Let us never lose sight of Jesus' persistent, yes, 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 I love you. And let us see our opportunity to respond in kind with our own feeble, yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will love you. Yes, I will let you Love me. Yes. Amen.